On Spotlight today on KRWC, a frequent guest with us, especially during the harvest season, Adam Austin, Wright County uh, University of Minnesota Extension Ag Educator, joins us. We're going to talk a little bit about the harvest and a few other things today. Adam, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Tim. We are kind of getting into high gear here on the harvest. Maybe we'll uh, tackle a little bit of that. You know, some of it was already underway when we last talked, but uh, I think even the even this week, things have been kind of rolling a little bit. Yeah, I'd say this week we're kind of hitting full go where, you know, we're getting a lot, a lot of fields are mature and dry enough to harvest at this point. Um, so, yeah, it's. I'd say I really we kind of really hit our stride now this week. We might get a little bit of a break this afternoon or this evening, it sounds like, with uh, with some showers coming in. But for the most part, yeah, we're going right at it. Um, you know, some fields might not be quite dry enough that they're wanting to harvest them yet, but for the most part, you know, they're in the fields and we're we're getting started at the very least. Now, from those areas, we know that the crop is, you know, pretty bleak in a lot of places. There, there were a few spots uh, in the county that we had talked about during the summer, you know, they got those little isolated showers here and there. So uh, you probably have a couple of little glimmers across uh, the area, but uh, uh, for the most part, a little tough here. Yeah, I, you, there's definitely pockets in the county where ours, where I would guess our yields are going to end up being, you know, maybe just a little bit below average for people that, that got lucky. Um, but, you know, for the most part, yeah, we're looking at some poor stuff. But, you know, for for those pockets where they got the rain, you know, things are things are looking decent and they'll, they're probably, you know, thinking they kind of dodged a bullet here this year with uh, getting some timely rains. Uh, as far as the uh, those that were going to chop for silage probably have already done that, right? Yeah, that's pretty much completely done at this point. Or, you know, the corn plant is going to be too dry to really make good silage with it. Once you get too dry with silage, it's hard to uh, pack it tight enough and store it well is really the issue we run into there. So if you're chopping anything at this point, it's... Uh, you're going to have to be thinking maybe some sort of special management decisions there or uh, maybe feeding it pretty quick before it can spoil. There's not going to be many options when it comes to silage at this point. Mm-hmm. So those that are uh, still harvesting corn, just uh, hoping for the best here, I guess, and, and just kind of see what they can get out of it. Yep, you're just going to go through the field and take what you can get and, and kind of move on. There's, you know, at this point, there's really nothing you can do except for uh, take what what little bit you might have. I had heard, and I'm not sure if this is going on in our area, that uh, that some uh, growers were just opting to just plow the whole thing under and not even bother to, to really, you know, try to get uh, anything off of the uh, plants. I don't know if that's something going on here uh, or if most are going to try to salvage a little something. You know, I haven't seen that yet. Um, it might be something that some people end up opting for. Um, you know, it's even if there's just a little ear out there, it's really hard to just leave that go to waste. Um, but some of these fields that just there's absolutely no ear there, hardly at all. Yeah, so we'll be seeing some stuff get plowed. I think whatever stuff, you know, maybe wasn't chopped was really our only other option or making baleage out of it. Um, it's going to come down to yeah, might as well just. Save yourself a pass in the field and plow it in the dirt and call it a season. Yeah. How about uh, beans? What's the situation there? 
Um, so beans are, you know, beans are going to be coming off right with the corn here kind of at the same time. Um, beans are looking, you know, just like corn, it's hit or miss. Um, okay in a lot of spots, really short in a lot of spots too. And what we're going to be seeing here a lot this year, I think, is bean pods that are below the cutter bar on the combine. So literally just leaving beans in the field because they're too low for us to harvest them. Uh, saw that in a couple fields already, and that could be an issue for some of these, you know, really short beans. Uh, naturally, they're going to be growing pods lower on the stock than you would normally see them or the stem, I should say. Um, so there's some, you know, some additional yield loss there as if we don't have enough of that already going on, but it's just kind of one of those things that we're dealing with this year where, you know, we just can't possibly cut that low to the ground. Then you're talking about sucking in dirt and rocks and things like that. So, um, unfortunately, we're going to be seeing some of that this year with the beans, I think. We're talking with Adam Austing, University of Minnesota Ag Extension agent here in the Wright County area. Um, I guess overall, no matter if uh, if it's one of those fields that uh, got lucky enough to be uh, even kind of an average yield or uh, or even not, I guess one thing is that uh, we're we're getting at it probably earlier than usual, so maybe kind of a little bit of an early harvest here. Yeah, definitely. We're a little bit ahead schedule, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, I know last time we were talking about hopeful or maybe some mud in the fields when we're trying to harvest well. Luckily, for the most part, it's it's dried up enough that we're not getting too messy of roadways and things like that. Um, but yeah, definitely a little ahead of schedule. I think we'll see it kind of linger through most of this month of October, you know. Um, if, especially if it stays dry, there's no huge hurry to get some of this stuff. And, you know, a cost savings point for f- some farmers is going to be definitely opting to leave this stuff in the field to get it as dry as possible so we're not spending more money on drying down grain either this year. Um, so uh, it's, like I said, we're hitting full stride right now, but, you know, it's, some of these fields will probably linger well into the next few weeks here too. And one one important thing I'd like to touch on here too is, uh, we're seeing a lot of alfalfa cuttings and hay cuttings right now this late in the fall, um, especially for an old alfalfa stand where if you're plowing it under, a uh, great idea to go ahead and take this last cutting late in the fall. Uh, but if it's a stand that you're hoping to keep for a couple of years, I, I'm hoping farmers are thinking kind of long and hard about uh, kind of what their plans are here. So cutting alfalfa this late in the year um, definitely can be risky because we like to get some regrowth there. Uh, catches snow in the winter to kind of insulate the ground, as well as kind of just keep the stress out of the plants by uh, not cutting it. So what alfalfa will do this time of year, it really starts to store energy and a lot of things in its root system, helps it survive and, you know, get a good start next spring. Um, If we're cutting it late in the fall and it tries to regrow, we're really depleting that energy and all that storage that the plants put into the root system. So it can lead to more issues next spring and we don't get as much cover either over the ground. So um, I get why farmers are out there cutting hay. It makes sense. Just know it's kind of risky uh, to do so at this point, especially if we get some frost coming here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's looking like the weather should be somewhat warm, so maybe we'll get lucky, uh, get some regrowth, and get to re- kind of restore that root system uh, before it gets too cold. Um, but just so farmers are aware of that and, you know, think it through carefully if it's worth it. Um, and another thing, too, an option, too, for farmers, once we do get past uh, one or two really hard frosts, 
that alfalfa has kind of decided to go dormant for the year. Um, so at that point, I'm talking maybe, you know, as we get into mid-October here, uh, that could be a good option for you, too, is to harvest then, um, just because it's kind of made its decisions that it's winter time already, um, and so you won't be damaging the root system quite as much at that point. So just a, just something that we're seeing with the alfalfa and farmers trying to get their last minute, you know, get some more feed for the winter. Before we leave the topic and uh, talk about some other things, let's uh, touch on the safety issue again, too. I know we're kind of wrapping up the uh, the month of September for uh, for farm safety, but that, of course, carries over into October here as, uh, you know, some farm machinery is commonly on the roadways, no getting around it. You know, you have to move from one field to another, and a lot of times there's no other way to do it but down the road. Right, definitely. We always want to touch on that. Our big equipment's going to be on the road these next few weeks here. Um, remember, it's just only a few weeks stretch, so deal with it for the next few weeks here, and then and then hopefully we can kind of get past the busy season and move on with that. So, uh, yeah, just a reminder, being safe on the roads, uh, slow down, think twice, be safe. That's kind of our main message right there. Um, don't want to be seeing any any bad accidents in our area this fall. Um, unfortunately, it seems like every fall we get some sort of farm accident or another, and I've actually heard some, it sounds like there's been a couple across the state already this year. So um, whether, you know, we're on the roadways or, you know, this time of year too, we're dealing with augers, we're dealing with cutter bars and combine headers, we're dealing with plenty of, you know, sharp metal objects and all sorts of things. So just remember to, you know, think twice, let's be safe. Um Looks like we might have a good fall here for an extended kind of harvest season. So we hopefully we don't have to be in too big of a hurry. Uh, we can kind of take our time and get through this harvest season uh, all in one piece. Adam Austin with the University of Minnesota Extension here in Ryan County, our guest on today's Spotlight. Let's talk a little bit about grain storage now. I guess uh, this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the uh, the harvest situation. I know you wanted to talk about uh, pests in grain storage and uh, maybe some ways to avoid that and, and preparations there. Yeah, I think this is a good year for farmers to take advantage of the weather conditions we're having too. You know, we're not going to be putting as much wet grain into bins. Um, it doesn't look like we'll be harvesting in, you know, really cold, freezing temps, which can make it harder to dry grain. Um, so, we're looking at pretty ideal conditions here. What I encourage farmers to do is take a look in these grain bins, make sure we're definitely being really safe getting in and out of these grain bins, use harnesses, make sure there's a second person around. But let's think about trying to, you know, really clean up these grain bins and take care of any issues that we might have had in the past. Uh, you know, knock out old chunks of moldy corn if those are stuck on the sidewalls or anything like that. Uh, maybe even consider getting below... Uh, the screens and the grates in the bottom of the bin and seeing if there's anything worth cleaning up down there because uh, I think we definitely have an opportunity here to um, not only protect this year's grain harvest and, you know, keep any of those those uh, grain-feeding insects out in the mold, uh, but really that can help you big time down the road. You know, if you get everything nice and clean, it's easier to keep it clean and have fewer of those issues down the road. So I'd really encourage farmers to um, make sure we're, Maybe if we have some time here this fall, uh, make those bins extra clean before we fill them back up with grain because um, definitely can make life easier down the road for sure. And on the topic of pests, uh, this can go for uh, on the farm, off the farm, 
in the house anywhere. <laughs> and uh, the box elder bug count this year has got to be, uh, it's almost biblical proportions, it seems like. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah, and it seems to be pretty widespread, too. It doesn't seem to be a very, um, you know, just one part of the state sort of the issue. I've been hearing it and seeing it from several parts of the state now for the past week or two. Uh, it does seem to be kind of spotty. I will say where I am at my home, it's pretty uh, box elder bugless. I have, We've been pretty fortunate in this area. I don't know why, but, you know, you go you go a couple blocks away, and there's, they're pretty bad. So, um yeah, if you're dealing with box elder bugs, just know it's a temporary issue. It's more so just a nuisance than anything. They're not gonna, they're not gonna really harm your home or do any damage that way. But if they are bothering you, and I know they, they definitely are a nuisance. I'm not denying that. Uh, you have some options when it comes to you know pesticide control. Um, a lot of our most common insecticides will work on box elder bugs if you uh, time it right. And also something that I've heard is, I haven't seen any sort of you know. Um, scientific proof on this one or anything yet, but it sounds like uh, the soapy water spray or an insecticidal soap has been working pretty well on on these box elder bugs on the side of the home too. So, um, you know, for the most part, uh, hopefully in the next couple weeks here as it gets cold, we'll really see those die off. So um, just a temporary issue, uh, and especially if they're just outside, uh, try to just deal with them as best you can. And uh, unless they're, you're seeing them move inside, then we might have to consider, you know, what can we do here? Sealing up, you know, cracks and holes in your home is the first big step. They're really good at finding little cracks. So, uh, you know, just we won't be seeing this every year. So hopefully uh, we go, we get through these next couple of weeks here, then I'll don't have to deal with this number of box elder bugs for at least a few years again. So. Yeah, and it is kind of a uh, cyclical thing, isn't it? Uh, uh, does the uh, uh, the dry part of the year or the drought does that have anything to do with it, or is it just a cycle? It's hard to say. It might have something to do with the drought. Uh, they really like you know warm conditions, and they you know dry is okay when it comes to box elder bugs too. So that definitely might. I would say it's more likely helping than hurting. But you you hit the nail on the head, too, and you said it's cyclical, just like everything else. Uh, The acorns on our oak trees, a lot of the other pests we're dealing with, uh, Japanese beetles and grubs, that sort of stuff. You know, there's kind of just going to be years where it gets really bad, and then it should, you know, usually taper down for a few years. And I'm sure we'll uh, see the box elder bugs back in mass like this somewhere down the road, Um, but it's hard to say exactly when that might be. It must be, um, I don't know for sure exactly where the uh, population centers of these things or where where they hatch out, but it must be a pretty impressive sight when they do because there are millions of them, literally. Yes, yes. Uh, if you get on the places where they're, you know, as they're going through their stages and the bright orange nymphs, just the, you know, kind of the teenage version of the box elder bugs, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive to see what they the numbers that they can come up with. So that's, yeah, there's, it's uh, definitely interesting. Well, thankfully they don't bite. And like you say, I mean, they're, they're outside of just being gross and, uh, you know, a pest, they're really not uh, problematic. They, to my knowledge anyway, don't really spread disease or anything, but, uh, but they sure are creepy. That's for sure. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a fortunate part of this. They're not really doing anything except for seeking warmth and seeking shelter for the winter. So, um, you know, basically, like I said, as long as as long as it's manageable and they're not, you know, infesting the front door of your home, which I know, especially if you have a south-facing or west-facing home, they probably are. Um, but you know, that's it's something we just deal with for now. Go ahead and spray something if you can't really deal with it it's uh there's definitely good options out there for you but um yeah just really really something that's just more so going to annoy us um you know try to keep them out of your home because that's that's where they can maybe kind of bother you until into the spring a little bit so a wise man once told me it's nothing that a good frost won't take care of so (laughs) exactly yes it's been (laughs) plenty warm for this time of year uh, by my standards, at least. So a good uh, couple cold nights would really start to take care of some of these issues, that's for sure. All right. Well, very good. Adam, if uh, people have questions, where do they contact you? Yeah, you can go ahead. Uh, my number at the office is 763-682-7381. Otherwise, my email is aosting, so A-A-U-S-T-I-N-G at U-M-N dot E-D-U. Very good. We appreciate you coming on, and uh, if you deem it necessary here in the weeks ahead uh, to uh, get some more information out, uh, you know where we are, and we'll squeeze you in for another spotlight. Otherwise, we'll talk to you in October. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Tim. Have a great day. Adam Austin, University of Minnesota Extension Educator here in Wright County, on today's Spotlight on KRWC.